0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Please, to, uh, to John's Gospel, chapter 3. Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now, during these Sunday mornings, uh, because the other men are speaking in the Advent and the Incarnation uh, on Sunday evenings, uh, I have steered clear of that, Uh, but we have been doing a a kind of a mini-series on the Holy Spirit. I think this is part eight this morning, and uh, so we're going to do that again this morning. We're going to look again at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've been asking ourselves some questions over these past few weeks, like, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, What is his role in the Godhead? How prominent is the Holy Spirit in Scripture? Is he some kind of shadowy figure lurking in the background? What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives and in the lives of non-believers? What we saw last week, I believe it was, that He convicts, he convinces the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. How conscious can we be as believers of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Does he speak? Can we hear him? Can we please him? Can we displease him? Uh, Can we ignore him? Can we implore him? Can we resist him? Can we exist without him? All these are valid questions. Uh, Why does it seem easier to understand God the Son and God the Father than it is to understand God the Holy Spirit? Perhaps it may be because God the Son came to this earth, took upon himself human flesh, became as one of us, and so in our minds we can identify with that and even the Father, all of us have fathers to one degree or other, we understood, and maybe many of us are fathers. But even the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, he, he exemplified the Father. He showed us the Father. You know, he said to Philip, you know, have, he that sees me sees the Father. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, uh, sometimes we're a little bit fuzzy and uh, not very understanding really of who he truly is. Uh, but can we know him? Can he be real to us? And so today I want to draw our attention to some of the aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I think that you will find that his ministry is much wider and deeper, broader than perhaps you can imagine and that we generally give him credit for. For example, he's mentioned right at the very beginning Of Scripture, right at the very first chapter of Genesis, right in the very second verse. And this is in relation to creation itself, so we can't go any further back than that. And it says in Genesis 1 and 1 and 2, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when it says God created, what do we mean by that? Because What we should be meaning and what we should be understanding is that it's the whole triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all involved in creation. Now we know that the Son, we know that the Lord Jesus certainly was involved because it says in John, Gospel chapter 1, verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, we know that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And so the Father was involved in creation, and the Son, obviously, evidently, was involved in creation, but also the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The authorized version says, moved upon the face of the waters. Now, what's interesting about this word the writer used in hovering or moved is found only two more times in the entire Bible. One of them in Jeremiah 23 and 9, where it says, Jeremiah says, his bones were shaking. And the other was in Deuteronomy 32 and 11, where it talks about the eagle who stirs up her nest, and as the AV says, and fluttereth her wings. And perhaps that's why uh, many commentators, when they talk about the Holy Spirit in creation, brooding over the face of the waters, like a hen broods over its eggs to incubate them. And I'm sure you've all seen a hen sitting on eggs, and then it gets up and it gives us a good shake and sits down again, and then it gets up another good shake and sits down again. And so, some say that's like an image of the Holy Spirit brooding over, fluttering over the face of the deep. Uh, Henry Morris, in his classic book, The Genesis Record, Says that it suggests a shaking, a rapid movement, a hovering. Uh, A modern idiom, he says, would be vibrate. Uh, That would be a good term to use, the Holy Spirit vibrating over the face of the deep. Now, uh, I'll quote Henry Morris again, but I'll paraphrase it a little bit. Uh, He says, Whenever you imagine uh, Genesis 1-1 here you, you, it's hard for us to visualize because there's no structure uh, there's no discernible creation there's nothing that we could recognize it's, a, it's kind of a nothingness it would be to us uh, but all the ingredients would be there in order for the universe to be built the Holy Spirit then hovers over vibrates over, flutters over awaiting the signal awaiting the signal from heaven for God the Father to speak to the Son who is the Word of God to give the signal. And then when the signal is given, then suddenly the awesome power of the Holy Spirit comes into operation uh, and and is released into the universe and everything then becomes a a discernible creation, something that we can see and understand and begin to know. And so... That's kind of what it means when the Holy Spirit is hovering over or fluttering over or vibrating over waiting for the signal and then when the signal is given suddenly all his immense power his infinite power is released and then suddenly everything begins to shape and form and structure is made we begin to recognize and we know that Cosmologists and astrophysicists, they talk about the Big Bang. Uh, that everything was created by a Big Bang. I like to say it was created by a being, mm-hmm. rather than a bang, a being. And here's God, the Holy Spirit, right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, again, Henry Morris, he makes an interesting insight, I believe. He says, just about everything in the universe is subject to weeds. Waves light waves, radio waves, heat waves, sound waves, microwaves, just about everything we can think is subject to waves. As we sit in this room right now, through the air there are waves, there are sound waves, there are light waves, Uh, and the sound waves we uh, you know, there's radio signals, there's frequencies, and, and if we tuned into them, then we would hear them. If we got our aerial up and tuned in, then we would hear. But if we don't do that, then it passes us by to somebody else does it. So these waves. Uh, do you know what the Doppler effect is? It, it, imagine you're standing at a train. You're standing waiting on a train at a train station. You're standing there and you hear it coming in the distance. And it's a low frequency. It's just a kind of a rumble in the distance. And that's because those sound waves (laughs) are are far apart. And it produces a low frequency. But as it comes closer to you, you're hearing it getting closer and closer. And those sound waves are bunching up and they're getting compact and closer and closer and that produces a higher frequency. And then you hear a greater noise. And then when it passes you and goes into the distance, then those sound waves stretch out again and the frequency becomes lower until it disappears from your ears. That's the Doppler effect, named after Christian Doppler, an Austrian scientist, physicist actually, and a mathematician. And now astrophysicists, they use that when it comes to light, or light from the stars, who are constantly moving. And galaxies are moving, and they call it the red shift movement, because whenever it gets a certain way, then light, It goes into the the red. So, whenever you think of the Holy Spirit, bringing together all this complex structure and the chemistry and the physics and the atomic power, all of that awesome power comes through the Holy Spirit right at the very beginning of creation. Uh, Think of our sun, which is over a million times bigger than the earth we're very, very fortunate where we are in our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is spiral arms, and we're on one of those spiral arms, and we're right at the edge of one of them. And that's very, very good for us, because if we were closer to the middle of the spiral galaxy, there'd be too many suns, because all the suns would be bunched together. And there'd be too much light, there'd be too much heat for us to exist. But God has placed us strategically right on one of those spiral arms, right at the very spot that's good for us, because there's only one sun that we have to deal with. And that one sun produces our light and produces our heat. Not 20 suns or 100 suns. and, And it's right in the very distance that's good for us. And not only that, because of where we're placed there, we can look into our galaxy. You know, if you go to a very, a very, very clear night and you get a, a, a place where there's no light pollution, if you're up on top of a mountain somewhere, and you could look the sky, you would see the spiral arm of the Milky Way that we're in, because we can look into it. But because we're in place on the edge, we can look out into the emptiness of space that we think is empty, but actually there are billions of galaxies and, and stars out there, and we're beginning to discover those through the Hubble telescope. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm saying all this because all of that was produced by the immense power of the Holy Spirit in creation. It didn't just happen. It wasn't just per chance. This was the power of God through the Holy Spirit at creation. Thank God we have a, a wonderful shield around our planet. Anybody ever seen the Northern Lights? Few have you seen the northern lights? And they're absolutely fantastic. They're beautiful. If you ever got a chance to see them? And that's this, because our sun is spewing out. I mean, there's, it's like big atom bombs going off on the sun at different times. And generally that doesn't affect us, but sometimes it comes towards Earth. And all those billions and billions of tons of, uh, of, uh, of charged particles are hurtling towards Earth. But because we've got a shield around Earth, then it deflects those magnetosphere reflects those. And that's what causes the, the effect of that, the clash of that, causes like dancing lights and curtains of lights. It's absolutely fantastic. And all of that, all of that was produced by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God through the Holy Spirit on the day of creation. It's wonderful. <clears throat> Genesis 1 and 2. It says the Spirit of God, and Spirit here is Ruach, Ruach, which is a Hebrew, R-U-A-C-H, Ruach. And Ruach can mean wind, or it can mean breath. But we know because it's talking about God, the Holy Spirit, it's not just wind or breath, it's God, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, the power of God. And today of Pentecost in Acts 2, we see again this ruach of God in Acts two two and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Obviously speaking about the Holy Spirit of God. In Acts four and thirty one, <clears throat> uh, Peter. And John, here, the, the man at the, at the beautiful gate, remember the lame man? And, of course, the religious hierarchy were up in arms about that, got them arrested and so forth. And, and then the, whenever they saw that this was a notable miracle and the people loved it, then they, they backed off a little bit. And, and so they says, well, uh, we forbid you to speak in his name. We forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus, because they said this notable miracle was done in the name of Jesus. So they said, we forbid you to do that. Uh, and in effect, Peter then says, well, we're going to do it anyway. If I can paraphrase, you say we can't do this, but God says we ought to do this, so we're going to do this. Uh, and then they went, and they, and it says... In verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, "Lord, you are God who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David has said, what did the Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth shook their, took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now Lord look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word and by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Note this. And when they prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. By the way, that's twice them saying people were filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's another subject. But the place where they were sitting were shaken because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we were praying this morning, if we stopped to pray and prayed a prayer like they prayed and the Holy Spirit shook this whole building What do you think you would do? You'd probably run out that door. You'd probably scare the living daylights out of you. But that's what happened to them. The very building shook by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's not reduce the power of the Holy Spirit to something less than what it is. It's mighty. It's powerful. However, because we refer to the Holy Spirit's power and his dynamism... Um, And we think often because the Bible often refers to him as wind uh, and as power and as sometimes as fire and as dew and as rain and as water. Sometimes because we think of the Holy Spirit in terms of symbols that we read in the Bible, we forget that he's a person, not just an influence, you see, false religions makes the Holy Spirit to be some kind of a gas, some kind of a airy-fairy type of a vague nebulous gas, but not a person. But he is a person, a real person, just as the Son of God's a real person. Holy Spirit's a real person. We can't see him, but he's mighty and he's powerful. So he's not an it. Holy Spirit is not an it never call the holy spirit it you wouldn't like somebody calling your child it you would or your husband or your wife it no you wouldn't so let's not call the holy spirit it in john's gospel jesus speaking of the holy spirit uses personal pronouns 10 times like he and him and himself never ever it so, no matter what we think of the Holy Spirit, no matter how we think of Him, always know that He's a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about how actively and powerfully He was involved in creation. But now let's think how actively and powerfully He's involved in the new creation. In John 3, this is why I told you to turn to John 3. You know it very well, but it's good to remind ourselves. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So notice Jesus, in referring to the Holy Spirit, his work in the life of somebody who's about to become a believer, he gives the image of wind. All of us have seen the effects of wind. We can't see the wind, but we've seen its effects. You see the branches of the trees moving. You see the barley and the wheat fields. However, when the wind blows across it, you see the waving. We see the effects of it. And when somebody becomes a born-again believer in Christ, at that moment that happens, we can't see the Holy Spirit doing that but we can see the effects of what has been done by the Holy Spirit because that life will change. And it has to change. If there's no change in the life, there's been no work of the Holy Spirit. But when the life has changed, when you see that person change, when their nature changes, their character changes, their language changes, their actions change, things change. And you know something has happened to that person. And they know something's happened to me. Because I'm not doing what I used to do. I'm not even thinking the way I used to think. I'm not acting the way I used to act. I, I, and now I want to be in the house of God. I want to pray to the Lord. I, I, I want to be around believers. I want to talk about the things of God. I want to read my Bible. All of that is good indicators that the Holy Spirit of God has touched your life and has changed you. Amen. Amen. You see, he is the agent of the new birth. He is the one who... We're born again from above, the Bible says. And so Romans 8:16 says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. When you get born again, truly born again, you know. That's hard to explain, but you know, as somebody says you know in your knower. You just know. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. It's not a natural thing, it's supernatural. And you know that it's happened. And you know for all those reasons that I've mentioned, because you change, you, you're different. You begin to live differently because of that change. Now the Holy Spirit witnesses to us that that is the change. 1 John 4:13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. 1 John 5 and 10, Who believes in the Son has the witness in himself. And in the clincher, Galatians 4, 6, And because you are his sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of the Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you begin to realize God is my heavenly Father. And everything's changed. Now let me just say this particularly for new believers, that you're just saved, you're born again of God's Spirit, and you know it, and you're going along, and then one day you say something, or you do something, and the devil says, Aha! If you really were a Christian, you wouldn't have said that, you wouldn't have done that. And then you begin to doubt, and you think, Am I, am I a Christian? Am I really? Did I, did I really mean that prayer? Because after all, I said that and I did that. Am I I truly born again? And that's when you look up and say, Lord, forgive me for that. Holy Spirit, help me. And the Holy Spirit will witness in your heart that you truly are born again. Yes, you still can sin. Yes, you'll make your mistakes. But you can receive forgiveness and go on in Christ. And don't allow the enemy of your soul to try to trick you because the holy spirit will witness in your life i remember many many years ago i got a call from an elderly gentleman he was a car dealer and he called me i would met him a number of times over the years and he called me says david can i meet you down at the church i says yes he doesn't live here he lives far away so we met and he was a lovely 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 man a, a christian for many many years but the thought had come to him because of something he said or did. The thought came to him, You're not really a believer. And he says, I try to dismiss that thought, but he says, It kept coming and coming to me. And he says, Do you know what? I believed it. And he says, I'm miserable. I'm hopeless. He says, David, I'm lost. And I had to take a time to share scriptures with him and pray with him to get him back on track again. And he did get back on track and he never looked back. But for a long period, he says, I went through hell on earth thinking I was lost. (laughs) But you see, we need the witness of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And he will witness to us. Now, Christ is the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit, John 1.33. will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Christ is the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit's the one who baptizes us into Christ. That's his ministry. Supernaturally, mystically, he puts us into the body of Christ, into the family of God. We don't know how that happens, but it happens. It's beyond our understanding, but it happens. We know that from Scripture, we know it from experience. It happens. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. And so the same Holy Spirit who is powerfully active in creation is the same Holy Spirit who is powerfully active in the new creation. And out of the emptiness and the chaos of our sin-racked lives, it's the Holy Spirit then who comes and brings order and structure and purpose. Into our lives. Gives us a reason for living. Gives us a purpose for life. That's part of His ministry. It is Him who reveals unto us God the Son and God the Father. In John chapter 16, John chapter 16, Let me just read in verse 12. Jesus said, I have still many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. We want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry, to declare him to us, to show us who he truly is. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. And then in John 14, just back a little bit. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. He dwells with you but shall be in you. Up until the day of Pentecost he dwelt with them. After the day of Pentecost he dwelt in them. And ever since everyone who receives the Holy Spirit, he dwells within us. The Bible says our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we're coming to a close in a moment. But I want to end this morning by mentioning that the Holy Spirit was mentioned in the very first chapter. Genesis and he's mentioned again in the very last chapter of Revelation the last book of the Bible Revelation chapter 22 now let me read from verse 12 Jesus speaking said and behold I am coming quickly my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the written offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. Note this, and the spirit and the bride, which is the church, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts, come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. That's the answer. Jesus said, I am coming quickly. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come quickly. Every time we think and study and meditate and sing or pray about the second coming of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit prompting us, reminding us, causing us to think. The Holy Spirit wants us to understand and realize that Jesus is coming and is coming soon. And he urges him to come. Behold, I am coming quickly. And the Spirit and the bride says, come. Please, come. Come quickly. Are you looking for the coming of the Lord? This time of the year, we're thinking of his first coming, which was real, which was prophesied many, many, many times, and it happened exactly as the word of God said it would happen. Can we not believe that his second coming will be the same, that all those prophecies right from the Old Testament, right into the New Testament, all those prophecies of his second coming, all of them will happen, will come true exactly as the first time, sure he's coming back and he's coming soon so the Holy Spirit urges us Holy Spirit urges Christ to come to us but listen he urges us to come to Christ he urges Christ to come to us but he urges us to come to Christ and if we don't come to Christ before he comes to us then we're going to be in big trouble did you hear me? If we don't come to Christ before he comes to us, then we're going to be in big trouble. And there's only judgment awaits us. So that's why the Holy Spirit urges us to come to Christ. He prompts us, he convicts us, he draws us to the Son of God because he knows the Son of God is coming quickly. And if we don't come to him before he comes to us, then we're lost. We're in serious trouble. And so this is part of the great ministry of Of the Holy Spirit let me just in closing just mention a few things just in passing before we break bread together he's the agent of the new creation in John 3 he teaches John 14 26 when he comes he will lead you into all truth Jesus said he leads us Romans 8 he glorifies Christ John 16 he guides us into all truth John 16 He prays and makes intercession, Romans 8. He bears witness, 1 John 5. He imparts spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. He calls men into ministry, Acts 13. He imparts fruit, Galatians 5. He's the power of the resurrection, Romans 8. It's the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, who quickens, who will make alive your mortal body. When you die and your mortal body goes into the grave, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the power, that power of the Holy Spirit who will raise you up from that grave, who will quicken your mortal flesh. He's the comforter, John 14. He strengthens the inner man, Ephesians 3. He gives us power to witness, Acts 1 and 8. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, he can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. We talked about that last week. He can be insulted, Hebrews 10.29. He can be lied to, Acts 5 and 3. Peter said to Ananias and Phaniah, he said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And they fell down dead in front of him. Can you imagine that? He can be lied to. He can be blasphemed, Matthew 12. He can be resisted, Acts 7. He can be tested, Acts 5. He can be vaxxed, Isaiah 63 and 10. He can be quenched, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 some of the essential attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called God, Acts 5. The Holy Spirit is eternal, Hebrews 9. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, Luke 1, The Holy Spirit is omniscient, all-knowing, John 14. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere present, Psalm 139. Psalm says, even if I make my bed in the lowest part of hell, you're there. You can't escape from God. The Holy Spirit is the life source, Romans 8 and 2. What about his moral attributes? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, John 14. He's the spirit of love, Romans 15:30. He's the spirit of holiness, Romans 1 and 4. He's the Holy Spirit, the witness of, he's the spirit of wisdom, Ephesians 1:17. He's the spirit of knowledge, Isaiah 11. He's the spirit of grace, Zechariah 12. He's the spirit of burning, Isaiah 4. He's the spirit of judgment, Isaiah 4. He's the eternal spirit, Hebrews 9. He's the spirit of adoption, Romans 8. He's the spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4. He's the spirit of promise, Ephesians 1:13. He's the Holy Spirit of, uh, of power, 2 Timothy. He's the Holy Spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4. He's the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19. And on and on and on you could go. I said that to show you that his ministry is wider and more powerful and deeper than we can imagine. From Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between, he's there. Everywhere. Let me say this in closing. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 90 times. He's given 18 different titles. In the New Testament, more than 260 times, and given 39 different names and titles. That's a big mention, isn't it? Of the 27 books of the New Testament, only 2nd and 3rd John, those two little letters, that's the only place where he's not mentioned in the whole New Testament. And so he gets a big mention, all right? So he's not some shadowy figure in the background. He's God, the Holy Spirit, co-equal with God the Son, co-equal with God the Father. So let's not lessen him to something less than what the Bible says he is. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for not leaving us as orphans, comfortless, but you sent your Holy Spirit, one just like you, only he is within us today. And we thank you for his guidance, for his strength, for his power. We thank you for his help, his encouragement. And every way in our lives as believers, we give you thanks for his ministry. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast.